0: Good morning a warm welcome to the service this morning so let's begin this time of worship let's unite our hearts in, in prayer let's pray our heavenly father we we thank you for the words of the, the hymn that we've been singing and we thank you that as we bow in your presence uh, on this day we bow in the presence of the almighty uh, the sovereign the all-powerful a uh, gracious loving Kind and good and just God, we thank you that you are the eternal God, you are the infinite God, and even as we meditate upon these things in these moments, we confess that you are far greater in your being and character than our minds can comprehend. our thoughts are so limited, our minds are finite, our limits our, our vision is limited, and our our hearts. Are dulled and you are the God who is who is great and who is vast and who calls us to come and worship so we come in response to that call and we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us we acknowledge that there is much that we cannot see there's much that we cannot grasp much that we are called simply to accept by faith but we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us and on a day like this, when we see the, the splendor of your creation and we feel the warmth of the sunshine, we see these signposts to the, the creative wonder and glory of, of your work. And we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we can open it and we can, we can read of your revelation of yourself to us. We thank you that we can, we can read of your works, your works of grace that enable us to come to you. We are sinners. We are those who, who cannot come into the presence of a holy God. But we thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus, into this world to be our Savior. We thank you that he who knew no sin became sin, so that we who are sinners could become righteous in him. And so we make our approach in Jesus' name. We look once more to the, the cross where he paid for our sin we look once more and remember on this Lord's day the empty tomb the fact that Jesus died and rose and we thank you that that resurrection is the the proclamation through history of the fact that we are accepted in Christ if we believe in him so we ask Lord that you would grant to us faith we pray Holy Spirit that you would be working in this place and in our hearts show us our sin we pray in a a measure that we can, we can bear and lead us to the Saviour and speak to us, Lord, we pray, your words of grace. Awaken hearts that are dead, quicken hearts that are lukewarm. Stir within us, we pray, a zeal for your glory and enable us in this time to worship you in spirit and in truth, to take the encouragement that, that we receive as we see and spend time with each other. But we pray that we would know that you are God and that you are with us we pray that we would sense your presence and that we would know that uh, you are ministering to our hearts we thank you Lord for all who have gathered this morning Uh, bless each home represented we pray we pray for those who are visiting with us we thank you for them and we ask that you would bless any fellowships that they may be connected with we pray for those of our number who are not here this morning some who are away and on holiday for A few days and we ask that you would bless them and protect them where they are we pray for those who are sick uh, those who uh, are struggling with with illness some who are back and forth to hospital some who are housebound and we ask that you would minister to them by your grace we thank you uh, for these screens which enable us to keep in touch with each other as a fellowship when we're going through hard times and we pray for those who are grieving we ask that you would comfort them again lord we pray for donald and for katrina uh, as we continue to to miss and uh, grieve for rachel's passing as we thank you for our life we do so again lord and we commit the family to you and ask that you would minister to them your comfort we pray on for mary uh, having lost her husband donald last week and we ask lord that in her grief and in the confusion of mind that uh, illness can bring as well, that you would minister to them. Lord, we thank you that when we are struggling to get through to someone, uh, you are still able to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we bring them to you. We pray for those who are battling with addiction, some who may be in a dark place just now. And we ask that from the depths that they would cry to you and find the redemption and the strength uh, that you are able to give we thank you that you are able to break the chains of all sin and we ask Lord that uh, you would be in particular with those who who are struggling with addictions help us on road to recovery week by week to encourage each other and to look to you and Lord we pray for our nation uh, we are far from you we see that week by week as we watch the news and read the papers have mercy on us we pray uh, draw us back to yourself and we pray that the name of Jesus will be lifted up across all nations. We thank you that the gospel is going forth in power across the world, even though we may be in a time where we see little. We thank you that much is happening in in different places, and uh, often in the places where there is the most acute persecution, uh, the gospel is going forth in greatest power. And so we ask, Lord, that uh, where brothers and sisters are suffering, that you would give them strength and that you would give them courage and wisdom. And Lord, we pray that uh, the the message of Jesus uh, would advance, that all nations would call on him. And Lord, we pray now that you would continue with us. We ask that you would cleanse us from our sin as we acknowledge uh, all that we fall short on. We ask, Lord, that you would cleanse us in the blood of Christ. We thank you that his blood is able to cleanse us from all sin. So as we think of our own sin, we pray as we confess it that you would cleanse us and give us that assurance of pardon and that joy of your salvation. So hear our prayers. Bless the the wee ones as well. We thank you that we we hear them just a little through the wall. We thank you that they are an answer to prayer. And we pray that they would grow up uh, to know you and to trust you. Uh, May they come to you and not be hindered uh, in the days of their youth. Hear our prayers. Continue with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pray and thank God for that. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you loved us so much that you, you showed us your love, partly in this world when we see sunny days like this, and we see all the beauty in this world. We thank you that you've made the world beautiful for us to, to see uh, something of who you are and to enjoy being here. We know that in this world there's sin. In our hearts there's sin. But we thank you that you sent, Father, your Son, Jesus, into this world to be our Savior, to take away our sin. So we thank you that we have a, more than a card. We have the Bible where you tell us of your love. We thank you that we have more than the Bible. We have your Son, the Word made flesh, who came to this world to live for us and die for us and rise for us so that if we believe in him, we can know your love, In our lives and know it in this world and then forever. So help us, we pray, to believe. Help us to receive the gift of Jesus that you've given to us. And thank you for the good news that you give us in Jesus that begins in this world and goes on forever. We pray that the boys and girls, the young ones and the older ones who are here, uh, would all be trusting in Jesus and receiving and not pushing back uh, your love. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And if we could turn to First Peter chapter 3, please. And uh, we're focusing on verse 13 to 17. I'm going to read from just a little further back. Uh, verse 8 of First Peter chapter 3. This is, this is God's word. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil. Or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit the blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. And so on to the end of the chapter. We'll uh, thank God for his word and ask that you will add his blessing to it. If we could turn back to First Peter chapter 3, chapter 3. We're going to look today at verses uh, 13 through to, through to verse 17 uh, I think. So let's ask for God's help as we go there. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter from Peter, the disciple that we identify so readily with. And we ask that uh, the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And just as, just as the words were penned with the help of the Holy Spirit all these years ago, we pray that as we listen and as we meditate upon them, that we may know the help of the Holy Spirit opening our minds and our eyes. And touching our hearts that we may that we may see uh, the beauty of the Lord and our need of the Lord in every situation, and especially when we go through hard times, we pray for the congregations around us as well, wherever Christ crucified is preached, and whatever denomination we ask Lord, that you would be at work, uh, adding your blessing to your word and applying it to the hearts of of many people. Uh, show us, Lord, we pray. Uh, our need of Christ, the beauty of Jesus, and give to us faith that we may come to him. And uh, Lord, we pray for all the barriers that uh, so often get put up. Uh, We are good at uh, creating reasons to make us hesitate to respond to your call. And we pray that even in the course of the service today, that some of these barriers, some of these excuses would be swept aside and that we would hear the call of Jesus to come and trust him, and that we would respond in obedience and in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to a subject today as we are looking at this this section. And uh, it's a subject that that everybody knows something about, although some people uh, know more about it than others. And uh, in seasons in our life, uh, we may experience this sometimes more than others. And it's a subject that a lot of people would, would give as the, as the reason that they don't believe in God. And yet when we think this subject, this issue through biblically, uh, this is not a, a reason to, to uh, fail to trust God, to, to not believe in God. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing that God speaks very clearly about uh, in his word. And the subject for today is, is suffering. Suffering. Peter writes this letter all these years ago almost 2,000 years ago, a little less. And uh, he writes to believers who were who were suffering. He writes to believers, as we read in, in chapter 1, that were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Turkey. At one time, these believers who were receiving this letter, they, they'd lived in, in a different place, in what they called their home, their birthplace. And they were with family, they were with friends. And then they came to faith in Jesus, and these believers were, they were scattered. Their families disowned them, as we thought about in the past. Families had funerals for family members who believed in Jesus because they were sending the message to them that they were dead to them. Uh, friends deserted uh, the believers and turned on them. Uh, they, were, they were defriended in a much more real way than we uh, talk about being defriended on 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 Facebook or social media. And so these believers they were they were suffering and it was going to get worse because soon Nero would be the emperor and he would target Christians and he would make them suffer. (coughs) And still today uh, we can we can read on many websites and we see that Christians are are suffering for Jesus' sake. This is not just something that was prevalent in, in past times in a different place. Today, Open Doors tells us that there are 360 million Christians a year who are suffering persecution and discrimination uh, for Jesus' sake. And we can read stories in Nigeria, which are horrendous, that are happening right now. They'll never be on the news, but if we know where to look, we we can find stories of brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering and being scattered because of their, their faith in Jesus. And even here, although it's nowhere near that level, we're beginning to feel the first bite of suffering if we decide we're going to hold on to the Bible, if we decide we're going to uh, toe the line of uh, salvation only in Christ. We will begin to feel the first bite of suffering. So Peter's letter, it says, it's as it says, fresh today, as it was in the day that he wrote. And uh, various points to think through this morning. We'll see how time goes. The first point is the name uh, behind suffering. Because Peter asks the question in in verse 13. He says, who is going to harm you if you are eager, eager to do good? He's writing to Christians and he says to them, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? He doesn't say what's going to harm you. He personalizes this. He says, who is going to harm you? If you are eager to do good. And, and then he just leaves us to think biblically through uh, the answer. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Now, when we think about that, first of all, we would be inclined to answer the, the question by saying, well, no one's going to harm us if we're eager to do good. Why, why would anybody want to harm us if we're eager to do good? I mean, generally speaking, good people doing good things are appreciated at the, at the sort of cultural uh, level. But that's not always the case. And especially if we're seeking to to do good uh, for Jesus' sake. Maybe, Alex, Alex, you could pull the door just to give the Sunday school a wee bit of privacy. Thanks. If we're trying to do good on occasions for for Jesus' sake, uh, there will be people who will want to do harm. And I think Peter, as he writes this, he's almost saying, cast your mind back and think about, if we want to talk about good things, we want to talk about good works, let's think about Jesus. Let's think about all the good things that Jesus did. Peter was there. Peter watched Jesus heal the sick. He watched Jesus give sight to the blind. Peter was there as a witness when Jesus gave life to the dead. And yet, says Peter, remember how he suffered through it all. So who caused harm to him? Well, we could say it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the Roman soldiers, sometimes his family, his friends, even the disciples. There was a a level of harm that Jesus had to suffer uh, through these people. But all these people on different occasions were being used. So who was using them? And the answer is Satan. During the time of of Jesus' ministry on earth, there were so many incidents, much more so than we see today, of, of demons railing against Jesus and the cause of Christ. Now, who were the demons in employment of? Satan. Think back a little further to the Old Testament. Think of uh, Job. He was described as a a righteous man. He was a man who was recognized as doing much that was good. And yet in his life, he experienced the most horrendous, the most acute suffering. Who caused it? Well, Job didn't know as he suffered. But we're taken behind the scenes in Job chapter 1. And we see that the one who is doing the harm, the one who is inflicting the suffering on his life, is Satan. Rewind a little further again. Go back to Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2. We see a garden. We see Adam and Eve. The garden is beautiful. The environment is perfect. Adam and Eve in in marital harmony. Adam and Eve in, in perfect union with God. No suffering. Then we come to Genesis 3. And we begin to see harm. We begin to see suffering and decay. Fast forward a little more and we see death. Who caused it? Who is the name behind that suffering? It's Satan. So let's make a point of unmasking Satan as the name behind suffering. I am continually hearing people, as will you be, who blame God for suffering. But when we think through this biblically, we see that the name behind suffering is Satan. And people may respond by saying, well, 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 doesn't God care about this? Will God not do something about this? And the answer is, God does care. And God has done something about suffering. He sent a son into the world to suffer and to die, to overcome Satan, to undo the works of the devil. So that we, if we believe in him, can ultimately know relief from suffering and sin, and Satan, and death, and hell. So the name behind suffering is Satan. But praise God for Jesus, his son, the one who came to suffer in our place, to undo suffering, and to offer us life and peace. We could fast forward all the way to Revelation 21 for that. We've been there a lot in the last few weeks. And in that place we see uh, an environment uh, where We're back to Eden in the first instance. We're taken back to a place where there's no sickness and no suffering and no death and no sin and no decay. And how is it that way? It's because God is there and Satan is not. So the name behind suffering is Satan. The second point is uh, the blessing of suffering. Verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. (coughs) And this is a peculiar thing to, to read and to think through. Um, there was a TV show, I think it was in the late 60s. I never really watched it, but I was aware of it being advertised. It was called The Odd Couple. don't know much about what it was about. It was two men, strange, two friends who were kind of thrown together. And they were an odd couple, but they, they, they had adventures through life type thing. And you could see in verse 14, uh, suffering and blessing are put together, but they're, they're an odd couple. And there are odd couples. There's no odd couples in the room here, but you look around and there can be odd couples. You know, one's very big and one's very small. Uh, one's very glamorous and one's a bit scruffy. You know, one is uh, very quiet and the other one never never stops talking. And you look at them and you think, I don't know how on earth they got together. They're an odd couple, but they seem to work. And even some flavours, you know, caramel and salt. That would never work, you would think, but It, it does. Pepper and strawberries. Try it. Uh, Peanut butter and jam. The Americans swear by it. They're flavors that seem strange, but they work together. And strange as it seems, Peter teaches that suffering and blessing go together. And we only need to go to the cross to see that that's truth. That's the core of the truth that we see on the cross. Jesus suffered Jesus suffered more than anyone ever experienced suffering. It's the most awful scene when we go to Calvary. And yet from that cross comes eternal blessing. So we see suffering and blessing concentrated in the same place. And Jesus says to us as disciples, You disciples, if you're going to follow me, you you have to take up your cross. You have to walk the way of suffering sometimes for, for doing right. Suffering and blessing uh, go together, are calling us to walk in the in the steps and the footsteps of of Jesus. And, and Jesus did what was right, and yet he suffered for it. And we are called, if we are Christians, to do what is right, and that will sometimes cause us to suffer. Peter knew all about it. He had the scars that testified to it. And even today, we're in a, a gentler environment than Peter was in, but uh, even today it is not difficult to suffer for Jesus sake take john 14:6 there's a crystal clear text for us if somebody wants to be saved there is one way one name and it's Jesus Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, no matter who they are, no matter what other religion or what other good they associate themselves with. No one comes to the Father. No one is saved except through Jesus. That's the truth. Now, when you're in a discussion with somebody and they want to talk to you about Eastern religions and every other myriad of religions and all the, the possible ways, and you respond by saying, no, no, there's only one way. It's Jesus. You're going to suffer. You're going to be called narrow-minded, intolerant, bigoted. Put that text on your Facebook this afternoon. One way to heaven. Jesus. The comments will probably give you some heat. Or if you stand up today for for, for what the Bible says about marriage, about gender, in this culture you'll suffer. Whether you're in school, whether you're in work, we'll be labelled as bigoted and and narrow-minded. And that's a suffering that we're called to endure. And if we suffer for for doing and for saying what is right, there's blessing. There's blessing for us in the midst of suffering because when the heat is on and when we're feeling the bite of suffering, Jesus is there with us and he helps us. We find refuge in him. It's hard, but we know peace when we're suffering for his sake. And if, for example, we speak clearly about Jesus being the only way to salvation and the truth being taught in the Bible at no other place, and somebody responds to that, even as we suffer, by saying, I think I'll pick up this Bible. I think I'll look to Jesus. And then they hear the truth and they're saved. There's blessing for them. How many conversion stories begin with Christians suffering the fury of an unbeliever for sharing the gospel? So many conversion stories start. Somebody told me about Jesus. I was mad about it. I was furious about it. I didn't like it. But I went home. Then it started to bother me. And I started to think about it. And God by his spirit started to work. Then I picked up the Bible. And I started to see things. And I was given faith. And I believed. And now I'm saved. But it started with some poor soul who had to suffer their fury. And even if we think about it in our own room here. How many of you had parents who suffered as they prayed for you through your wayward years? They suffered. And as they taught you the Bible and said, I want you to come out to church morning and evening. And the kids said, I don't want to go out to church. And there's a big fight at six o'clock because they don't want to come out. And you're saying you have to come out. And, and they're suffering. And, and, and today you're sitting here. They endured the suffering of your tantrums. They endured the suffering of praying for you when it seemed that you had no interest whatsoever in anything that they held dear. And yet through their prayers and through their witness, today there's blessing for you. The blessing of suffering. It's a strange thing, but it's the truth. The third point, and I don't think we'll get beyond this today, is that there's opportunity in suffering. There's opportunity in suffering. There's a story told about two uh, shoe salesmen, and uh, they 're both sent to a foreign country They work for com- competing uh, shoe companies they 're both sent to a foreign country uh, to assess the market for for shoes and so the first salesman goes off to this country and uh, he sends a telegram back it 's years back and he says, "Research complete, unmitigated disaster. Nobody here in this country wears shoes. The second salesman goes out to the same place, he sees the same thing, and he says, research complete, glorious opportunity. Nobody here wears shoes. So you have two salesmen, they they see the same thing, but only one sees an opportunity. The other one just sees doom and gloom. And Peter's teaching us here, suffering is an opportunity to to reach people for Jesus. So when we start to, to feel the bite of suffering, Whatever it is, it may not be persecution or, or heat because we have faith in Jesus. It can be any kind of suffering. When we start to feel the bite of suffering, our tendency is to, to think, oh no. But Peter is actually teaching us to say, take a breath. Think about this. There's opportunity here. So how does that work? Well, this is how it works. When someone who has no saviour suffers, when someone who has no faith in the, in the sovereign God suffers, suffers their whole world comes crashing in and everything for them is dark and overwhelming but when someone who is a believer suffers when a believer goes through dark valleys and is able to say from psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd and he is with me in this dark valley then they don't fear in the way that an unbeliever fears i've seen this so many times I've seen this as so many believers have approached death. It's difficult, there is are suffering, but they don't fear in the way that an unbeliever fears. And Peter is saying to us, that's the way it should be if we're believers. He says, uh, do not fear, verse 14, what they fear. Uh, don't be frightened. And we might say, well, that's great advice, Peter, but how do I actually put this into practice? How do I take this theological truth and actually press it in my own life? How does this work? How do I get there? And Peter gives us the the answer in verse 15. He says, put in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And it's as we remember that Jesus is Lord, it's as we remember that Jesus is in control, it's as we remember that Jesus is with us in the hard times, that's the antidote to fear. It's when we remember that Jesus is above everything that we're suffering, and he's still in control. That's when we start to feel the reality of God's sovereignty filtering down into our lives and our experience. We sang it. Though the nations rage, or even though our circumstances are in a rage just now, Though kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one king reigning over all, so I will not fear. For this truth remains, that my God is the Ancient of Days. None above him, none before him, all of time in his hands. For His throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the Ancient of Days of days. And it's that truth that chases away fear and brings calm. And when people who are around us see a believer who is in the middle of a storm of suffering and yet they're calm, they're composed and they have hope, then the person who's watching will say, where where did you get that hope? How, how is this working? How can you approach death and still be smiling? How can you be going through this pain And and you're, you're still steady. How can you have this hope when it looks to me like everything is hopeless? And the doctors have told you everything is hopeless. Who supplies this hope that's in you? And Peter says, when someone asks you that question, now you have an opportunity in the midst of suffering to tell them about Jesus. And Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I see some golfers in the room today. And as far as I can tell. Golfers are always prepared. They always have their clubs in the car. The first blink of sunshine. And they're away from their work post. They're on the phone to their wives. And they're out on the course. They're always prepared. Or the fire service. The, the guys who've got the, the things on their on their belts. First, The first bleep. And they're rushing out the door, they're always prepared. And Peter is saying to us, that's how you're to be, and especially in a season of suffering, you're to be always ready to speak about Jesus. There's opportunity in suffering. Now, as we finish, I wasn't going to finish here, but as we finish on this point, we may feel a kind of stab of of guilt as we read this. Because the truth is, we know that we haven't always been prepared to speak about Jesus. And we can all think about situations, especially when we're having a hard time, and we think, I can't be done with this. I don't want to speak. I don't want to engage. It's going to be too costly. It's going to be too sore. I'm not going to say a word. And if that's how we feel today, remember this as we finish. Peter knew all about that. And he's the one writing the letter. I don't think there was a day that passed in Peter's life without him remembering the time when he wasn't prepared to speak about Jesus. I think it cost Peter to write this. And as he wrote it, he was probably being taken back to that fire that was burning. And the little girl who was asking, did you know him? And Peter didn't speak up. He denied Jesus with curses. But that day was in the past and Jesus had forgiven him. And Jesus had restored him. And now Peter, with his pen and his paper, sitting at his desk, was doing what Jesus charged him to do. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, when you have turned back, after the mess you're going to make of things, he said, strengthen your brothers. So we sit here with a letter today. And from that letter, uh, we receive strength. So that when we go through suffering, We remember Peter. We remember this teaching. We remember the grace of Jesus. And we take the opportunity to talk about the hope that we have. The name behind suffering is Satan. Don't forget that when we're in the world. And everybody's pointing at God. Every sickness, every disease, every illness, every bit of decay, every grief. is traced back to the fall. It's not God's design. But praise him. He sent his son to be the Savior, to save us from suffering. And even when we're in the midst of suffering, Jesus is able to make it a blessing because he's with us in it. He's the master architect. He can take what the devil designed for evil to harm us. He can turn it around for good. There's blessing in suffering and there's an opportunity. And that opportunity is before us uh, as we leave here today. When I was in Carlyway last Sunday night, and I'll finish with this after... I finished preaching and uh, we fi- sang the, the final uh, praise. A uh, picture flashed up on the screen uh, as everybody was leaving the church and it said, you are now entering a mission field. And let's remember that as we go out there. We are Christians. We are entering a mission field. People are looking for hope. So always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that's in you. And likely if you're suffering, someone will ask you about that hope soon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter that Peter uh, wrote as he was inspired to do so. And we pray that we would, that we would receive strength from your word uh, as we hear the, the experienced words of Peter uh, coming to us, one who fa- fell and who failed, one who was silent when he should have spoken, and yet one who was forgiven and restored, and uh, recommissioned to share the gospel. We thank you that we hear it, even in, in this these verses today, and we pray that you would enable each of us to believe it, and then as we go out from here, uh, enable us, we pray, to share it, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last point, in case you're wondering, uh, we're not just going to cut it out, uh, but uh, there's a uh, a verse or two about uh, how we're to behave not just how we're to speak but how we're to behave as we witness in suffering and uh, we're not going to take that next Sunday but we will deal with it Wednesday night so be encouraged to come along to the the meeting and we'll hear the next uh, the next point and now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore Amen. amen